Whether you're having a not moving off the couch while you watch the game kind of day, or a no time between conference calls kind of day, it can still be a delicious Dunkin' kind of day. And with Dunkin' now available on DoorDash, it's easier than ever to get your faves brought right to your door. So if you're looking for coffees, donuts, and breakfast sandwiches in the morning, craving some afternoon snack and bacon, or in need of Dunkin' refreshers for a PM pick-me-up, we've got you covered. Order now and get your faves brought to your door through Grubhub, Uber Eats, and DoorDash. Price and participation may vary. Exclusions apply. America runs on Dunkin'. The sweet aromas of the apple fritter, cinnamon roll, and blueberry muffin are hard to resist. So making it the rest of the way home without reaching in your McDonald's bag is no easy task. But nothing worth doing is easy. Wake up and pair any one of these sweet, fluffy, frittery bakery treats with a McCafe iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the next edition of Two Up Front Soccer. Sitting in with me today is not Baxter Colburn. I guess I should first introduce myself. This is Simon Provan using a different system today, so I'm certainly hoping that everything sounds okay. But Baxter Colburn is out gallivanting the country and in with me. Sitting in his place, but obviously can't replace him, is uh, goalkeeper extraordinaire, former Two Up Front guest, Mark Linton. Mark, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. It's it's good to be back. It's great to have you, Mark. So a little bit of a late start, obviously. I am usually not the producer, so I'm relearning every time I jump in on this. Uh, let me not forget some very important things and move stuff around so I can tell you. First of all, Tuesday and Thursdays, you can find us here live on Spreaker.com, 12 to 1 p.m. Central Time. You can also find us on Spreaker.com On Demand. You can find us elsewhere on demand, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Vavil USA, Sports Podcasting Network. Listen, you just type in 2 Upfront in Google, you'll find us somewhere. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at 2 Upfront Soccer. You can find our own Twitter feeds. Mark, do you have your own Twitter handle yet? Or? I do. You do. What is that? At MarkLitton21. At MarkLitton21. I am at Simon Proven. You want to check out Baxter and what he's doing, you can find him at, at Baxter Colburn. Of course, you can find all of our shows uh, when you have the time at 2upfrontsoccer.com. Contact us if you want with 2upfrontsoccer at gmail.com. We are brought to you, of course, by Three Lions Pub, who's doing some awesome stuff. We'll get to that a little bit later. But uh, we are from coming to you from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. A little cloudy out here at the Attention Era Media Studios, but we are so thankful to uh, have a cooling off, I would say, a little bit. It is October. It's odd to have all these 70-degree days. I mean, I'll take them, but, uh, but I like it when it's a little cloudy and starting to feel like Halloween. It's October. I have my air conditioner on uh, as well as my heat. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mark, let's get started by talking about a cool experience that you had with the MASL. Why don't you go ahead and uh, sure. you know, take a few minutes to walk us through what you were doing and, and returning back to uh, head coaching, from what I understand, at least for a night. Well, earlier this year, the Cedar Rapids Rampage had contacted me and actually had offered me a position to coach within the MASL to be their head coach. And... I was uh, I was very intrigued. It was something that I definitely had interest in, and I, I sat down and, and took a hard look at it. But uh, unfortunately, due to you know considerations with my family and the other things that I do in my professional career, I wasn't able to fill that role. Uh, but I've got a good relationship with uh, Chris Kokalis, who's one of the owners of the Cedar Cedar Rapids team. And um, just about a week ago, he he contacted me. 
a little over a week ago, he contacted me. The MESL, MASL has been having some international challenges this summer where um, they've put the U.S. Arena uh, national team, the U- U.S. Arena League national team, against uh, a team made up of uh, players from Mexico and then also a team made up of players from Brazil. Now, are these players that are in the MASL as well, or, or are they... F- do they not have to be playing in the MSL to be on that uh, either team, really? They're, they're all players that play currently within the MASL. So it's kind of a showcase of the international talent. And the, the U.S. team had played twice against Mexico, splitting um, one win, one loss. They had lost earlier this summer to Brazil. And uh, the coach of the team wasn't available this past weekend, this past Saturday. So Chris called me from Cedar Rapids. The team was, or the, the game was being hosted in Cedar Rapids. So... I drove in. I, I met the team on Saturday uh, early afternoon. We had a, a nice chat. We talked over some tactics, and um, we went square to square with a very, very talented uh, uh, Brazil team. Uh, we went down 2-0 real quick in the game, and I, I called a timeout, and I brought the players together. I had some young players who hadn't played with this team yet, and I told them, I said, look, you know, the two two goals we just gave up, those those weren't because they're a special team or a better team. Those goals happened because we made mistakes. You stop making mistakes, they stop scoring goals. Halftime, it was 4-3. to three. End of the game, it was 15-5 USA. <laughs> wow. So you, you fix those mistakes we and then some. We the mistakes. And, you know, I've been, uh, I've been around the league for a long time. I was under Keith Tozer for 10 years. I know the game uh, inside and out, and I think that I could have had a fair shot anywhere in the league as a head coach. But it was uh, it was really, really nice. It was special for me to be able to go back indoors after being out of the league for two years, take on a, a team of players who were, were from all over the, the country. We had players from San Diego, players from Florida, Chicago, um, Syracuse, and Cedar Rapids. So it was good to bring the young players together collectively and, and represent you know their quote-unquote national team and beat a very, very talented Brazil team. Absolutely. Well, congratulations uh, on Thank that you. win, Mark. And uh, let's shift gears now and, and really get you into the uh, co-host role. <laughs> uh, we got a few things we want to talk about here in our first segment, the kick around, which uh, obviously is going to be a little bit shorter, so we won't be able to spend as much time as we'd like to. But CONCACAF Champions League last night. Listen, we're, we're a show that focuses on American soccer, so uh, we got to talk about this. Um, Sporting Kansas City game wasn't too important. They were already eliminated. Uh, they ended up winning last night anyways, 3-1. to one. So I guess if you're going to go out in the competition, you might as well uh, go out on top with a win. Well, not on top. Vancouver Whitecaps, of course, win their group. But uh, these games are always tough to watch, Facebook Live. So I'm not even sure if you, you got an opportunity to watch it or, or have any takeaways from that specific game. Well, you know, it's it's been – and you're right. It's challenging to watch some of the games, you know, if they're not on uh... – you know, ESPN or, or on Fox Soccer, um, FS1. Um, it's it's difficult to carve out time to to watch. You know, I do follow, and I'm I'm really surprised that with having five uh, MLS based teams, that they put Vancouver and and Sporting KC in the same group. You know? Yeah, well, that's that's because it's Vancouver is not considered necessarily an MLS club in the competition. It's it's okay, they're the Canadian so champions. Still, I think that there could have been. Uh, a little bit of maneuvering to, you would like to, to see keep that, those yeah. two out because yeah. then it's guaranteed that you know one of those two MLS-based teams would be knocked out. Yeah, but, absolutely. Uh, Vancouver's been showing very well. And they're 12 points in the group. Sporting KC struggled. 
and you know it's nice that they're going to go out with a with a win. Yeah, and then of course the, the game that did mean something was that Portland Saprisa game. Uh, listen, I think for coast for the Costa Rican players, it, it was just like playing at home. Artificial surface, a lot of rain. Uh, of course, that's that's what Saprisa plays a lot of. Portland needed to win that game in order to move on. They were out with Fernando Adi because he was on yellow card suspension. Diego Valeri, you know the maestro, not not able to play because of injury. Yet even with their B B plus team, they still showed well against the Costa Rican Costa Rican and champions uh drawing 1-1 which of course also knocks portland out but uh overall i think it was a decent match for portland i don't know if you have any takeaways from that well when when you think of the the premier club in costa rica it's a pre it's always has been they've been uh, uh a major feeder for their national team so anytime you have a chance to go up against that club when it's u.s versus costa rica it's it's going to be quite a game yeah, absolutely. So, of course, I'm a Timbers fan. I was disappointed to see them go out of the competition. However, it's re- reflections of the last time Portland was in this position, able to go on or not. Uh, Caleb Porter had to put more money on trying to make the playoffs, and he's running into that again this year. Well, they're out of CONCACAF Champions League, so now they got to go all in, hoping to make the playoffs, which we will talk about later in our prediction segment near the end of the show. we got to take our first break. You are listening to Two Up Front.
Welcome back to Two Up Front. This is Simon Proven in with my guest host, Mark Linton. Well, Mark, that was a great first segment talking about uh, your experience in the MASL quasi all-star game, international friendly. I'm not sure what you want to call it. <laughs> of course, talking about CONCACAF Champions League as well. Uh, we were hoping to get Matt Doyle on. We're going to do that a little bit later. I'm not going to lie to you because I can't figure out what's going on with my computer here, Bax. Uh, uh, you're not Baxter, you're Mark. Anyways, um, I'd like to turn to the U.S. Women's National Team, and we'll get, we'll get all this technological stuff figured out here. Good win for them against Switzerland. A lot of young guns in there. Jill Ellis surprising a lot of people coming out with a 3-5-2. Yes, yes. Uh, your thoughts on the game? Well, you know, Jill Ellis pretty much, I guess you could say, fired a shot over the head of all the players and, and sent a, a message out to all of the players in the, in the pool to say, you know, there's no guarantees anymore. Each and every one of you, whether you're a new player or a veteran player, you're going to have to earn your spot on this team. And it was kind of a new look, you know, coming out with a three-five-two. Um, lots of fresh young players. There were five players that were making their international debut last night. Pretty impressive that, you know, the first goal scored, Lynn Williams, 49 seconds into her international debut, and she scores a goal. What, what a great memory that's going to be for her. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I mean, she, uh, she was the proponent of the goal that got the Western New York Flash into the shootout in the NWSL championship game, and uh, unbelievable that she comes on the national team after being away for quite a while. As you said, scores her first goal. Uh, and when I say it's been a while, she was in the U.S. system, but this was her first fully-fledged cap with the uh, with the senior team. For her to get that goal so quickly, unbelievable. And, uh, and of course, you also had Crystal Dunn starting up top, which I expected, a lot of people expected, but then Jill Ellis put her more as a number 10. Right. And right. my goodness, did she, did she command that game? She did. That's, that's not a, a normal spot for her. It was, but, you know, Crystal's a, a pretty adaptable player. You can put her anywhere on the field. I mean, she's just that type of athlete. Um, so she stepped into the role, she owned it, and you know it was a great result. Yeah, and of course, uh, Tobin Heath also getting a goal in there and uh, continuing to do what she does, reading the game so well, uh, also commanding her position on the field. Uh, are you are you excited about this youth movement that Jill Ellis has going on? You know, I am, and I I, I, I hate to say it, but I think the the strength of the U.S. national team in this country is on the women's side and just the development. We we had a very strong women's side for many, many years, and, and I give a lot of credit to that, to the college program. The college was, you know, our college program was developing players where other countries did not have any type of program like that. But uh, as, as we've seen over the years, countries are starting to catch up to the United States. We've had to refocus to find out, you know, where is the, the next Mia Hamm going to come from? Um, so having more focus on youth development now instead of just thinking about, you know, the, the next college player coming into the program, I mean, that's really, that's just broadening the scope for future generations of national team players. Yeah, and I think what we're seeing too, Mark, is the effect of the NWSL. Uh, Western New York Flash in and of itself didn't have many name players up until really the championship game making names for themselves. Of course, again, going back to Lynn Williams being the NWSL MVP. But you also have Abby Dahlkamper in the back, uh, played extremely well for the U.S. It, I don't think it was a surprise to many people that the game was 0-0. Let's face it, Switzerland's not that bad of a team. I mean, say, 15th ranked in the, in the, in the world. So. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, and say what you will about those rankings, but I actually think they're a little bit more legit on the women's side than they are 
on the men's side. Uh, but nevertheless, you get these young guns coming in who many of them performed v- uh, very well. Emily Sonnet was a bit of a disappointment, plays for the Portland Thorns in the NWSL. She was up for... Uh, Rookie of the year, she made a few critical mistakes. That thankfully, uh, you had a you know a capable goalkeeper in the back who right. who made up for those mistakes. Yeah, listen there, um, you know she's kind of been living in hope shadow, hope solo shadow for a, for a few years, and has uh, made the most of her opportunity to step into the spotlight. Um, you know she's just she has six shutouts and only nine caps, which is pretty impressive for someone who's not playing on a regular basis to step in and perform so well. Yeah, I think one of the big concerns is obviously the team performed well in that 3-5-2, but you don't really have many NWSL teams playing in that 3-5-2. Correct. So it makes you wonder, um, you know, does Jill Ellis got to stick with this so the players, when they come into camp, they, they know what they're expecting, uh, you know, with with the wing play, with obviously more midfielders and having to adapt to that. If you're, if you're a, a center midfielder and you're only used to playing with three other midfielders, you know, how does that affect you when you've got an additional one in there? Well, I think that at this level, at you know the national team level, um, you're on the team because there's qualities that you're showing, um, and you should have the ability to step into any line lineup, whether it's a four four two, a three five two, whatever formation. A good player should be able to understand what their individual role is going to be and go out and execute. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think we're starting to, to see a lot of that. And I got to say, for one, I, I'm very excited again when you see players um, like Crystal Dunn, like Lynn Williams, like an Abby Dalcamper going in there and not being afraid on the international stage. You know, let's be frank, that's something we'd like to see more of on the men's side. Yes, ab- absolutely. Um, I think uh, some of these players, though, have had some high level experience at the youth level so they they've they've been in some big games so to say uh so they've uh they've worked right in i think that it really helped with lynn williams <clears throat> coming off the bench she had a the entire first half to to watch the game um and made the most of her opportunity as soon as she stepped on the field she played like a veteran i mean just smooth and clean yeah i think one of the players we have to be surprised that didn't play was ohi i mean she she came in um very celebrated of course uh, by many in Houston, uh, celebrated for the work that she's done in Houston, and then you don't even see her dress for the game. I was, I was, I was surprised by that. It is a little bit surprising, but I think what Jill does is she looks at who her opponent is and tries to put together a lineup that she feels would be the strongest going up against whatever particular team it is. And sometimes that doesn't include some players that you might think should be there. Um, Never want to second guess Jill. She's she's done great with the with the program since taking over, and obviously you know the decisions she made with the the lineup and and the substitutions you know, it worked in her favor. All right, Mark. Great discussion on the U.S. Women's National Team. I'll tell you what. I something's going crazy with my computer. Baxter's going to make a return to the studio, even though he's uh, in Toronto or L.A. or New York or New Zealand, wherever he is at this moment. What I'm going to do is just have a shift right into this. Uh, interview that Baxter and I did with Matt Doyle and I'm going to hit the play button and take it from here and see if I can figure out during this interview what the heck I'm doing on the production side. So ladies and gentlemen uh, pretend that we went to a commercial break and now we're coming back from it. Uh, We have Matt Doyle on the line with Baxter and I. 
Welcome back inside the studio. Two up front, presented by Three Lines Pub here from the Attention Era Media Studios in downtown Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. All right, Simon Provan, we've got a very exciting opportunity now to interview a man that has been around the game that has helped MLS grow each and every single day. He's going to be joining us here on the Shop Futsal call-in line in just a moment, but we're going to be talking to Matt Doyle. I, I'm very excited. Are you excited? Absolutely. To to he, he goes better by the armchair analyst. If people have listened to MLS's uh, Extra Time radio podcast, I'm sure they have heard of Matt and read his incredible stuff on MLSsoccer.com. But Matt joins us now on the program. Matt, welcome to Two Up Front, sir. Well, my pleasure to join you guys. Well, we are thrilled to have you, Matt. It's a, we've got a great final weekend of MLS. It's kind of crazy to think that the whole season is coming to a close, at least regular season play, of course. It's a border <laughs> shield. They would be, I think, the biggest surprise winners uh, in the history of the league. Oh, yeah, I would completely agree with that. I mean, it's just an absolutely unthinkable thing, I feel like, with how MLS has gone this season. Yeah, they were bottom of the West last year, and, um, you know, they, they the big signing was Jermaine Jones, and he's missed most of the season. They changed goalkeepers mid-year. They don't have anybody who I think an average fan would point to as an all-star, and yet, you know, here they are. It's absolutely dominant defense and timely goals, and, uh, it's it's just been a weird season, and this is a weird team to see uh, to see at or near the top of the standings. Do you think it was a mistake at all that uh, Mastrani didn't play? You know his entire starting eleven. I mean, he left off Sorberg, Powers, Latou, Baji, all in that game against Portland. Uh, I'm not sure. No, he started uh, he started a bunch of those guys, didn't he? Didn't he started uh, Schuberg? Uh, uh, not not in the Portland game. No, you're right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. He started Burling in, in place of Schubert. Look, Pablo <laughs> Pablo does things a little bit differently. Um, and at this point, I think he's earned enough equity to uh, you sort of throw, you, you shrug your shoulders and you throw up your hands and you say, okay, uh, he's you know he, he's the coach and his decisions have gotten them as far as. As, as they've gone, uh, <laughs> you know, a one nil loss on the road isn't terrible at Portland. Uh, and you look at how they played in the second half; they definitely could have could have gotten a point. Um, but but at you know at this point in the season, you just got to tip the hat to Bastiani and say, uh, keep doing what you're doing, coach. Well, one thing I'm curious about, Matt, and this is mostly from my own personal standing, I'm a, I'm a big New England Revolution fan. Uh, New England had such a golden opportunity this last weekend to to beat the Chicago Fire, especially off the back of Philadelphia losing as well to, the, to Orlando City. Are we are we done with the whole Jay Heaps conversation in New England? Are we going to see a changing of the guard, or are we going to see players ushered out now? I, I don't necessarily know what to really think of what New England has done this year, because I think from a lot of people's perspectives, they've been terribly underwhelming. Uh, I, I think it would be unfair to get rid of Jay Heaps, considering that the the one little run that uh, he had this year, when, when some crucial players were healthy uh, in in September, he like he led the team to the Open Cup final and they played really good soccer. Uh, and I think that's what the Revs are. Um, you know, losing Gershon Kofi, uh, losing. Xavier Kwasi, the, uh, the the DP they signed before yeah. he even played a game. 
so th- those were huge losses, and they didn't quite make up for them. That said, uh, they got to do better next year. Uh, part of that is doing better in the off season in terms of uh, rebuilding that defense. If, if the Reds are struggling in June or July of next year, then then you have the conversation about Jay Heaps. But I think it would be premature to have it now. Real quick question for you, Matt: Who's your MVP pick? Oh, it's tough. It is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I. I Javenko has been the best player in the league this year for quite a long time, but you know he missed five six weeks. Uh, you know in September and early October, the crucial stretch of the season, um, and he, I mean he was pretty good when he came back this past weekend. But it was actually Josie who was the best player on yeah, the field. Yeah, right. Yep. Uh, so uh, maybe not him. I, I mean, David Villa's had a spectacular year for a team that I think surprised everybody. Um, but he's not. I mean, he's arguably the third best forward in the conference. Yeah. Uh, so then you go down the list to Bradley Wright Phillips. Except, I actually think it's Sasha Question who's the MVP of that team. Um, so do you say Ignacio Piatti? Do you say Mauro Dia? I, I think it's wide open in a way that it hasn't been for a good long while. Um, I, I, I got to tell you honestly. The vote I cast will be significantly influenced by uh, what happens this weekend. Rightfully so, yeah. yeah. I think yeah. that that makes a lot of sense. I mean, you look at who everybody plays this weekend. The Red Bulls play Philadelphia, so you'll get a good look at you know BWP and Sasha Kleshton. You'll get you know you see Montreal with Ignacio Piatti taking on the Revolution. You mentioned you know Mauro Diaz has been back and forth now with a little bit of injury among other players too. I mean, it is kind of kind of wide open. TFC is going to play Chicago, so there is an opportunity for Giovinco to to return to form and say, well, look, guys, I'm actually really good. But then you judge it; it's like, well, they played Chicago, who hasn't been that 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 top team really all right. season long. So that's that's always kind of hard to judge a player's performance based off of playing bad teams at times. It, it is, but you know, if he ends the season with something like 17 goals and 15 assists. Uh, that's still that's, remarkable. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty strong argument. I, yeah, I agree. Especially considering the time away. Uh, yep. So I've got a personal question for you, Matt, because sometimes we do like to uh, draw out the personalities and people. You obviously know your stuff really well. I'm curious about your background in the game. Uh, I mean, growing up, I, I didn't. I didn't play soccer. I, you know, I, uh, I, I was. Uh, it, basketball baseball household and uh, then when i was 13 uh, the u.s qualified for uh, the world cup for the first time in 40 years and uh, i got bitten by the bug uh, and from you know from there uh, it, it just it became a, a growing obsession uh, through high school and and college and uh, out the other side into the real world um, and you know when i graduated from college uh, professional soccer analyst was not a job that existed in the u.s uh so i was a i was a freelancer uh trying to scrounge together every gig i could for a while uh until this came along but it was you know i I kind of approached it um in the way that uh sort of like how alan seppenwall approached uh tv criticism doing it in a different way in a different style than it had ever been done uh, and, and I realized from reading stuff like that, or if you want to go back further, Roger Ebert's film criticism, mm-hmm, uh, sort of mm-hmm. understanding what all the moving parts are. Uh, that's the way I, I, I found myself looking at the game. Uh, and maybe 
maybe that's because I had never played it at a decent level. Um, but uh, that was what interested me about it, and that's uh, sort of the niche I was able to to carve out and, and find a space in. Uh, it's kind of a uh, unexpected route uh, to to where I am now, but. Uh, uh, kind of amusing at the same time. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, w- w- with that, uh, just we know we got a little bit of time left. What is one big thing that you would change about MLS if you could? Ooh. Wow. Uh, I, I think I think just doubling the salary cap uh, would would be huge mm. um, because I I think then you could get um, a, a lot of the a, a lot of the South American players. Uh, really Latin American players who are, I think, uh, drawn more to um, Mexico, Brazil, Argentina, uh, or sort of the second-tier European leagues like uh, France, Portugal, uh, Russia, stuff like that. So I, I think I think that would be huge, um, and that's one step. The other step is, and I think this one is being taken, is there has to be more and better investment in youth academies. And certain clubs are getting this absolutely right, like yep. the Red Bulls, the Galaxy, Toronto, uh, obviously Dallas, uh, RSL. Other clubs are, are lagging behind a little bit. But the, look, if MLS is ever going to be one of the greatest leagues in the world, which is the stated goal uh, of the people who, who run the thing, uh, you, you, we're not going to buy our way there. We have to build our way there. Right, there has right. to be there. There has to be uh, a blueprint. And it has to be hard work, and it has to be applied over you know an extended period of time. And we're just we're just at the start of that. Uh, but it's we're starting to already see guys, uh, whether it's Jordan Morris on one coast or Alex Mule on the other, uh, sort of the fruits of that labor. And as you said, you know, FC Dallas definitely leading the way on, on how to properly run a youth academy and yeah. and make that build into your top team. So I certainly appreciate all your insight and your honesty, Matt. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, happy to come on again uh, and talk more uh, U.S. soccer and MLS anytime. Absolutely, Matt. We appreciate it. We'd love to have you back again in the coming weeks. We uh, we appreciate your, your hard work as well for helping continue to build the beautiful game here in the United States. Uh, where can people find your work, and where can they follow you on social media? Uh, MLS Analyst on Twitter. I'm on there far too often for my own sanity. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> my column, uh, Armchair Analyst on MLSsoccer.com. You can also find uh, various videos of me yapping at the camera as well. Perfect. Well, Matt Doyle, we appreciate it. It's been a pleasure, sir, and we hope to do this again sometime soon. You got it. Cheers, guys. All right, there goes Matt Doyle on theshopfootsell.com. Call in line. We're going to head to a break. When we come back, Simon's got more things to talk about because technically I'm not really here, but I am. So it's the beautiful of not live radio, but it is live. Or is it? We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lions Pub. Well, Mark, that was a 
It's a nice conversation you got to listen into with uh, Matt Doyle and Baxter and myself. I had some good insight. <laughs> All right, well, we're going to change gears now and go over to the shopfutsal.com call in line. Very, uh, very honored to have his return to two up front from Sky Blue FC head coach Christy Holly. Christy, welcome to the show. Thanks very much. Great to be back. Well, Christy, it was. Uh, not the best of campaigns, obviously, on the NWSL season. Ended up in seventh place, but you had some injuries that you had to deal with as well. Uh, so i got to ask you, what, what do you take away from a season like you had this year? I think there was a lot of positives to take away from this season. You know, there, um, going into the season, we were everybody's favorites to be the, the bottom team within the league, which is which fine by us, uh, because we knew what was going on inside the club in terms of the the change that we were looking to implement and the, the new environment that we were really trying to create. So we've, we've definitely established that and we've got a good direction and foundation to uh, build upon. Um, you know, and the reality is last year, I believe at one point, we had seven rookies on the field starting in quite a few games. So they've got a year under the belt. They've got quite a bit of experience and, you know, we've got some fantastic returning players as well. So, you know, there's there's those, those pointers that will... Uh, We'll look to, and uh, when we sit down and get ready next season, we'll be very excited to, you know, look to get back into the playoffs. Christy, what does it mean to Sky Blue to have uh, Raquel Rodriguez as named as the NWSL Rookie of the Year? Is that something that you're gonna you're gonna build some of the program around? Absolutely. I mean, it's a fantastic achievement for Raquel on an individual level and um, collectively for the team. You know, everybody stood behind her and everybody surrounded her with a good level of talent which allowed her to shine. So, you know, it's definitely a collective effort on there. And from from our perspective, having someone like Raquel on the field, we're very honoured because of her, just her ability on the ball and her game IQ and ability to change the game at any moment in time. Uh, a very exciting prospect for us. But beyond that, you know, we're very much to make sure that the people that we bring into the club are people that um, we feel will be good representatives, people who understand who, who buy into the event that we're trying to establish with the club. And Raquel is someone who's, you know, got a, a, speaks very well and she's got a huge amount of humility in her game and she carries herself in a very professional manner. That's something that is um, extremely exciting for us and someone that we're very fortunate to have as part of our uh, club. Yeah, Christy, one question I have to ask you, it's a, it's a bit of a general question, but uh, it's a little bit different from the men's game in that the MLS season is pretty long, and obviously the NWSL season's a little shorter. So i got to wonder, are, there's a lot of, obviously, women players that go especially out to Australia and play in the W League there. Are you a fan of that, or would you rather have them stay home, rest up a bit, and work on their own in the off season? I think it depends on the player and how their season's gone, but for the most part, I'm definitely a fan. Um, you know, Sarah Killian was able to go there last year, and Nicky Stanton and Sam Kerr went there last year, and each of them had different experiences. Unfortunately, Sam got injured very early on, but it's something that is, is very important to Sam that she's able to play in her hometown in front of her family and friends. And I would never begrudge her for doing that, and it's something that's definitely helped progress her game. Nicky went down there and got a huge amount of playing time under her belt, and the same for Sarah because Sarah you know, missed a, a large chunk of the previous season. So it, from that aspect, it's fantastic. It's a good level of soccer. It's something that helps them attain their fitness. Um, but then there's there's some players within our roster who needed a break during the off-season, 
and it's not that I didn't want to play in that league. It was just more of a professional approach saying, this is an opportunity for you to recuperate, shut the body down. But overall, I think it's a fantastic league, and it's something that complements the NWSL because of its timing. Do you stay in touch at all then? Not only, obviously, with just your players, but, but are you in contact with any of their managers over there in Australia? Absolutely. I was just speaking to the Paris uh, manager three days ago, I believe. You know, and I'll, I'll stay in touch with the players. I'll, I'll check in their games, wish them good luck, check in after the game, see how they're feeling. And um, even the players who aren't playing, I spoke to Kelly a little bit last night after the, the national team game. I think it's important just to stay in touch with them and stay connected. You know, and they're ultimately, yes, they're in the off-season, but it's always good to see how they're feeling. And uh, you know how they're they're reacting to well or playing playing games or go through um, the off season with a bit of recuperation time. Well, I see that you've got two Carolines on the the roster as goalkeepers, and they both look pretty um, young in their careers. Wait, they, we we got to preface this, Christy, with uh, <laughs> with Mark is a, a goalkeeper coach extraordinaire. So <laughs> go, ah, go ahead, Mark. <laughs> Well, and you know Caroline Stanley with you know her her years of playing through the youth national team system. Um, Caroline Casey coming out as an All American at, at the College of William Mary. Did they did they split time or did you favor one over the other? Because uh, both relatively, um, I, I shouldn't use the word inexperienced, but not at a veteran status. Yeah, I mean it was definitely that was um, a position that was very challenging for this this year and both Carlines and have a huge amount of credit for how they handled it. They came in, they, they had a very professional approach and they were also two sponges so they worked on Elite Joe Lawton who for me is one of the best goalkeeper coaches around so you know they were only going to get better and Carline had I believe Carline's family had one NWSL, NWSL game under her belt previous right, to this season Seattle. and obviously Carline Casey had none so both of them definitely very inexperienced and um, were very raw so we, we both told them that the, the number one shirt was definitely up for grabs and Carlin Casey was able to grab it in the first game and then you know we, we thought that Carlin Stanley was just maybe a little bit ahead of her in her development as the season progressed so Carlin Stanley held it down for the next 10 games and, and unfortunately for her she actually when she was playing very well she um, separated her shoulder which allowed Carlin Casey to come in and Carlin Casey stepped in and played fantastically well and, um, you know, we we let her hold on to the jersey towards the end of the season because she she earned it. It was very unfortunate for Carlin Stanley, but I think that's one of the, the tough parts within the sport is when you do pick up an injury and, and someone comes in and, and plays your position and does a fantastic job, we have to respect that and uh, give them a fair shot once they're in there. And, and as a goalkeeper coach, that's what you want. You want that competition because you know when you when you Absolutely. don't have a, a, a concrete established number one, and they're both battle, battling you know throughout the season for that number one shirt, it keeps your training sessions at a high level because they're constantly pushing each other. They, they each want to be that starting goalkeeper, um, but when you have one that's established, at times the number two doesn't push as hard, and the number one doesn't work as hard. So having two quality goalkeepers who are constantly competing to get playing time, I mean, that just raises the level on a daily basis. Absolutely. And and one of the, the great things that we were very fortunate with was the fact that Carl, both Carlines knew each other for a long time, which is something we did not know going into the season. They, they trained with each other on and off since they were you know, 15, 16 years old. So they already established a really great rapport and something that they respected each other, they encouraged each other, and they supported each other whenever the time was right. You know, if, if 
one Carlin got the job over the other day and she was right there patting her in the back and, and making sure she was in the best possible position both mentally and physically to, to uh, put in a good performance on game day and ultimately like you said it, it, it creates that competitive environment and it pushes each other to the next level and both goalkeepers deserve a tremendous amount of credit for for their application and their, their development throughout the season and that's you know, down to them and the hard work of, of our goalkeeper coaches who were, you know, top notch throughout the whole season. And Christy, going off this idea of players as well, uh, you know, you. I know you don't have to score a ton of goals every year to win a lot of games. However, you know, the goals were were a little bit lower as compared to the rest of the league. So my two-pronged question is... Uh, are you planning on doing anything to, I hate to say the word fix it because uh, that's assuming that you're not happy with it and maybe maybe you are fine with the offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the other part of it is we don't get any news on uh, players picked up from the waiver. So I'm, I'm curious if Sky Blue has picked up any players and specifically players that are more offensive minded. Well, um, you know, it's, we, we look at, I, I wouldn't so much say as you Kind of quite right to say it. it's not so much looking to fix it; it's, it's kind of trying to adjust a couple of things within the within our attack and maybe our setup that helps us produce more opportunities and ultimately more goals. And towards the end of the season, we definitely did. Um, we made a couple of tactical changes, which saw us create far more opportunities um, in front of goal. But some of the some of the issues we faced, with, I mean, we we were without Leah Galton for. Probably half of the season, we missed her for the first six games of the season. Then she she dropped, she missed out in two or three games towards the end, um, and she came in when available and was frightening. Then my top opportunities she created and the goal she took. Maya Hayes had scored, I believe, it was three and three, and then um, she was out for almost two months because of an NCL issue. Sam Kerr, uh, who ended up scoring. Someone correct me if I'm wrong, but I think six goals in six games at the end of the season, but she missed. Um, I believe 12 games this season. So we had, you know, we had quite a few big players come back in that were scoring goals. And, you know, Tash got four goals as well. And she maybe at times didn't get the support that she needed. But when we had everybody fit and when we had our, our real goal scoring options on the field, uh, the opportunities were being created and ultimately the goals were being scored. But it's not something we'll settle for. It's not something we'll commend ourselves on. It's. It's a part of the game that we know ultimately if you're not scoring enough goals, you're not going to win enough games. So we will always try to fine-tune it and um, you know, make sure that we've got the best opportunities on the field. But in terms of the the waiver, the waiver, you know, a lot of players on there, uh, a lot of talented players are on there as well, but we have to look at what our club needs at this very moment in time. And unfortunately, at this moment in time, some of the players on there is not what we are looking at. That's not to say down the line, if they're available, we may not, we may have a conversation with them, you know, but at this very moment in time, it's, it's not, the, the players on there are not players that would, um, you know, are in positions that we feel would have a weakness. Well, Christy, we certainly appreciate your time. Thanks so much for spending some time with us again on 2 Up Front. Uh, we certainly wish you the best uh, to get some players healthy in the off season, but also, you know, best wishes next year. NWSL is a tough league, and it's only going to get tougher next year. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure being with you guys, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll be doing a better job for you next year to get a couple more goals for you. So- <laughs> you Sounds good, Christy. Have a great right. day. Thank you, sir. Thank, Thank you. you. guys. Take care. Nice. You Thanks. as well. There he goes, Sky Blue FC manager Christy Holly on the shopfutsal.com call-in line. 
Great conversation there, Mark. Nice job with your questions, too. Uh, he, was, he was honest. I mean, he, he, he understands where some of the fault was on his team, and he took ownership of it, and he's, he's looking to improve it and, and build on the strengths of this season. Obviously, there are things that are in his control. There are plenty of things that were not in his control with the amount of injuries that he had. But he's identified that, and I think that you know, going into next season, all of those young players have got experience now. Absolutely. Well, we're going to head to a break here. When we come back, we're going to do the Red Lion Pub MLS prediction segment. We may even get Baxter on the phone here. We shall see if I can handle all of this. All right, folks, you are listening to Two Up Front. See you on the other side of this break. Welcome back. Can you hear me? Am I on? I don't know if I'm on right now. <laughs> yeah, that's Simon at the controls. Let me just stop this music. Hey, welcome back to Two Up Front. Baxter, don't you wish wish you were sitting in my seat right now so all this craziness wouldn't be happening? <laughs> uh, probably, yeah. I mean, I would be trapped in a car for 10 hours in the middle of a rainstorm. Oh, nice, nice. So so actually, what what's happening here is just fine. Well, that's good. I mean, I mean, I've been listening in. It sounds like you guys haven't burned the building down yet. And, you know, Mark's soft, sultry voice kept me entertained the entire show. So. <laughs> well, we've got to bring you in, Baxter, because uh, we're about to do our MLS prediction segment brought to you by the Red Lion Pub. So let me, uh, well, first of all, let me pull up the schedule. I'm still on all my notes here from Christy Holly. Uh, Baxter, what do you think about that? That uh, I know you're listening out there. What do you think about that question about the waivers? It's like I felt like I just needed to ask that question. Oh, I'm glad you did, honestly, because I mean, you know, you've got 13 players out on the waivers now for the NWSL, and 
several players on there could certainly play multiple positions. But you know, a team like Sky Blue, though, I was a little, I was a little actually thrown off by Christy Howard the fact that he had a you know a very consistent center back retire and a very consistent midfielder retire, and he was like, now I think we're good at positions that are that are available. I mean, anytime you have two veteran players retire at major positions like that, you think that you would at least give a hard look at some of the players available. But we know Christy Howell, he's a pretty shifty guy. Maybe he can, uh, maybe he's got something up his sleeve that he just hasn't decided to share with us yet. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, I forgot about the rash of injuries that he went through. I know, I know Sky Blue FC went through a few, but man, they, when he started listing off all the injuries that they had, I, it was yeah, unbelievable. I, I forgot about it too until he started mentioning it. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I was like, I forgot that literally like almost half their team was just out for long periods of time throughout the season. And you can't help but think what the season would have looked like if those players would have been healthy. I mean, it could have completely exactly. been a turnaround. Yeah, yep, exactly. I mean, that was one thing that Simon and I talked about a lot on the show. Is like, we think Sky Blue SC is good, but we really don't know exactly how good they are. And had they been healthy all season long, maybe this is not maybe we're talking about Sky Blue SC instead of Western New York Clash at the MLS, at the MLS wow, NWSL champion. You never know. Absolutely. Well, uh, I got to put this conversation on pause real quick because uh, we got to pay some bills, guys. And and one of the things that I want everybody to know about with the Three Lions Pub is that the featured matches, two of them this week down at Three Lions Pub and Red Lion Pub, are Liverpool versus West Brom. That's at 11.30. And on Sunday, that first game is on Saturday, on Sunday, Chelsea is taking on Manchester United at 10 o'clock. Also cool, though, for you American football fans, which, hey, let's face it, I think all three of us are are Packers fans. I don't know about you, Mark, but I know Baxter and I are. Go Packers. Go Packers. So uh, down at the Three Lions Pub, they're doing their, I love this, the annual bear hunt in the Packers versus Bears game tonight. They're going to be doing a, a free pig roast uh, during the game. Game, by the way, kicks off at 7.30. So, uh, so make sure you head down there, free pig roast for the Packers-Bears game, 7.30 p.m. tonight, and then head over to either of the pubs, Three Lions Pub or Red Lion Pub, for the uh, featured Saturday match, Liverpool taken on West Brom at 11.30 a.m., and on Sunday, Chelsea taking on Manchester United. We all know that's a big one. That's at 10 o'clock a.m. All right, guys, well, speaking of the Red Lion Pub. We've got uh, our MLS predictions to throw out there that is brought to you by the th- uh, Red Lion Pub. And Baxter, I would play the music if I had it. Didn't have time to set up for that, so I'm going to do the bow 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 Does that work? Perfect. All right. It's like Seinfeld almost. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we don't have as much time as we'd like, so I know Mark wants to tear these games apart like there's nothing going on, uh, but Let's let's get through these a little bit quicker. We got Colorado going for that supporter shield against Houston. We'll start with Baxter. We'll start with the man on the phone. Who you got, Baxter? Uh, Colorado for sure. Houston is just a dumpster fire. They'll be lucky if they score a goal against Tim Howard. All right. I would have to agree. Houston is just trying to get out of this season and start over. It's just yeah. been a disaster. Uh, I, the last time they played, it was actually quite competitive, ended 3-2. Uh, but I, I agree with both of you. I think Colorado's got this game. Plus, going for that supporter shield with that strong defense they have, you got to expect everybody to show up. Uh, by the way, all the games on Sunday at 3 o'clock, so I don't need to break down who's playing when. This, this all simultaneous as they did last year. Uh, moving on, Sporting Kansas City taking on San Jose. Uh, Mark, who you got? Uh, this is kind of a do or die for sporting because, you know, they need these three points to, to stay in contention. So my money is on them. Uh, I, I agree with that. I think uh, Sporting Kansas City, they've, they've been an up-and-down team all year. Portland is nipping at their heels. They're tied right now in the standings for the playoffs. Uh, of course, I'm going to be cheering for Portland, but 
uh, in the later game, not the later game, what's later on the screen anyways, but I got sporting on this. Baxter, who you got? Well, just, just just to make you smile, I think we need San Jose to win this game for you, Simon, and we need your boy Chris Wondolowski to have a monster game so that way your Portland Timbers can get in the playoffs. So I would like to – the, the logical figures would say, yes, of course, SKC needs to win, but I think having San Jose win, I think, would certainly uh, help Portland a lot, and I think it would certainly uh, be interesting to see how far Sporting Kansas City actually fell in 2016. I love the way you think, Baxter. I'm still going to stay with Sporting, <laughs> but uh, I'll be cheering for San Jose for sure. Um, exactly. Bigger game during the day, LA Galaxy taking on FC Dallas. Dallas, of course, going and in control of that supporter shield. Destiny's in their hands. Uh, I guess I should start. Uh, I actually I have... Uh, LA Galaxy on this one. I think FC Dallas, they've got their CONCACAF Champions League game tonight. Granted, I don't think they're going to be playing many players. The supporter shield is much more important to them. Uh, but with Diaz being out in the midfield, I just see LA winning this one. Baxter, how about yourself? Is it a two-point difference right now between um, Colorado and FC Dallas? It's eight-point difference. Uh, be- between who, Baxter? Oh, Between Colorado? FC Dallas and oh, Colorado? It's a two-point difference. Yeah, two-point. So what happens if Colorado wins and FC Dallas and L.A. draw? Who wins the tiebreaker? Do we know? Uh, I think it goes down to goal differential. It would depend on how many score, how many goals Colorado uh, ends up with because they're sitting at seven on goal differential. FC Dallas is sitting on ten. So Dallas has a plus-three goal differential over the Rapids. Okay. Right now. Fair enough. I was just curious to know how close they were. I, I honestly think this game could be a draw. I mean, Mario Diaz is done for eight months. So there's no chance that we're going to see him, obviously, you know, anytime soon. So anytime you lose a dynamic player like that out of your midfield, that completely changes the team as a whole. But let's be honest, this time in the last couple of weeks, you and I have talked about this. L.A.'s been kind of all over the place with their play as well. Uh, I, I could see this game having a lot of hype with an ending in a 0-0 or a 1-1 draw, honestly. So I'm going to go with the draw department for this game. All right, Mark? I'm looking at L.A. winning 1-0. I mean, you're going to have a battle of two two of the better goalkeepers in the league. And uh, Brian Rowe for L.A., I mean, he's been shoring up that back line. He leads the leagues in, in saves. I mean, he's going to be a tough guy to beat. All right. Uh, New England, Montreal. I don't know who I started with last time. So, Mark, you're the honored guest. We'll start with you. Well, this is, again, um, Montreal's already clinched. New England is in survival mode. They really need this game to, to continue their career. Um, so I'm going to put my money on Montreal. <laughs> I love it. I, I think it's. Uh, I love that, Mark. I'm, I'm actually going to believe it or not, Baxter. Uh, Montreal's kind of been the draw kings late as of late, so I'm, I'm going to take a draw on this one. Even though I think Montreal does have the edge, uh, I'm going to take a draw. How about you, Baxter? Well, I mean, I would love it if New England scored 12 goals in this game and Philadelphia would lose, so that way they would get into the playoffs. <laughs> but let's be let's be realistic about that. So um, I think Montreal needs to win, but they need to win not only for playoffs, but they need to win for themselves because they have just been very they've lacked a lot of confidence in the last couple of weeks and I think a win against a team like New England who is struggling would still help boost their confidence especially with a very daunting Eastern Conference playoff sitting in front of them right now say that again Baxter who'd you pick Montreal Montreal thank you sir all right, uh, New York City FC taking on Columbus. I'm going to do the first pick, and then we'll go around the around the real ring here. I'm going to take uh, New York City FC. Hi, I would, I would Am I next? Uh, or is Mark? Okay. <laughs> I would have to agree. I mean, there's just too much separation between the, the talent on the field and, the, and where they are in the standings. Uh, I think Columbus is another team that's just looking to get the season over with so they can start rebuilding. 
So I'm, I'm going to go with New York City. All right, guys. We are going to uh, blaze through these last because we are up on our time limit. Uh, so you got New York City. Real quick, Orlando, D.C. United. I'm taking D.C. Mark, who do you got? D.C. D.C. Uh, Philadelphia, New York. I'm taking the Red Bulls. Red Bulls. Uh, yeah, Red Bulls for me too, yep. Seattle or Real Salt Lake? I'm taking... Uh, who cares? <laughs> I'm taking Seattle. <laughs> uh, since Salt I'm a Lake needs to win for confidence. Yeah, I'm going with Salt Lake. I'm I'm a big, huge Nick Romano fan. All right, and uh, Toronto FC or Chicago? I'm taking TFC. Chicago with the upset. All right. I'm going to say they're going to tie 0-0, and it's going to be the most boring game you've ever seen. And uh, Vancouver and Portland, I'm taking Portland just to cheer for them. I want to see them win. I think Vancouver's actually going to win, but I need to be able to cheer for them. Uh, I'm taking Portland. Yeah, Portland. Portland, more to play for. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, Mark. Uh, Baxter, we got to let you go. My computer's about to die here. and uh, No worries. Thanks, guys. We, we will talk to you next time. Thanks, Baxter. So let's say you're into yoga or Pilates, or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us. With whole fruits and organic veggies, plus type 2 collagen, make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the Stretch and Flex smoothie and tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. Hike the trail? Check. Order takeout? Check. Schedule heart checkup? Done. We've all adapted to a new way of living. Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe.